it was at that point where Anthony Davis realized there's literally nothing you can do to stop Nikola Jokic. He threw that thing up, not expecting it to go in, and everybody just kind of looked around and laughed and said, it's going to be one of those nights. Yeah, man. Jokic was awesome last night. Did kind of, uh, I mean, they made the right adjustments. I got a take on that series. I think the Lakers are going to win that series. Uh, the second half kind of showed me that with the adjustments with yeah. Rui. Yeah, I think yeah. Michael Malone will re-scheme, though, and I think that that will get neutralized again. I don't know. I have a weird feeling. I have a weird feeling about the Lakers just because I, I feel like good things aren't coming to me this year and uh, that Jokic uh, finals MVP ticket. I feel like I could throw it in the fire because LeBron's <laughs> just going to take over this series. Actually, Rui's going to take over this series. Well, we can see what Bill Ryder thinks about that game yeah. on CBS Sports NBA Insider, host of Ryder Than You, 10 to noon Eastern CBS Sports Radio. Uh, your Your takeaways from what you saw from Jokic, the Lakers adjustments in the second half and game one. I mean, my takeaway is I wish I had a Jokic Finals MVP ticket. Do you want to sell it on pennies on the dollar? (laughs) Look, I thought it just continues this incredibly interesting and in some ways at least half the teams that are left unpredictable NBA playoff run. Uh, And for me, guys, the main thing is what you said. Jokic, amazing. But also, we'll see what the adjustments are. We'll see sort of what other players step up. But if you can't win a basketball game, if you're the Lakers – when Anthony Davis has that kind of a night. And despite the numbers that Jokic put up, it's not like AD was playing lackadaisical defense on Nikola. For me, the takeaway is Denver is so good, and it's going to take a whole lot from L.A. to win this thing. Bill, do you feel like what we're seeing with Boston, with Denver, that we are getting into a new era where teams are going to just stop with the idea, especially considering how Phoenix flamed out and basically had to fire their coach. Like, do you feel like we're in a place where, you know, GMs and roster builders are going to be thinking about slow, organic builds versus, you know, gutting their team for stars? It's such a great question. And they should be, but I still have buddies who think they're going to find, you know, happy marriages and happily ever after at the bar after midnight, right? So there's always (laughs) going to be a few out there who are going to try to speed up the process. But I think you're, I think you're onto something. I think the inside is, is really smart because the way the CBA was supposed to work last time around, but because of all the money that flooded in from TV rights going up, it allowed the Warriors to get Durant, and that sh- it really sort of confused how the process is supposed to work. That's all corrected itself. They're going to level in the money now. So, yes, there's going to be huge advantages for teams that draft properly, that develop talent properly, We've seen superstars willing to stay in places more than they used to, like Giannis for one of many examples in Milwaukee. If the situation's pretty good or if they have some success, I think you're absolutely right. There will be some some super teams that chase sort of that approach. You're going to have certain players who are going to force their way out like they always have. But I think you're right that the new era is going to lean itself and lend itself toward really well-run organizations drafting the right players and building a team in a very different way. Bill, obviously I want to get your thoughts on the Eastern Conference Finals with Game 1 coming up here tonight, but um, I wanted to ask you about Philadelphia. What do you think the 76ers should do next here? Because are they going to build around Embiid? It looks like Harden's probably going to look to get paid elsewhere. They just fired Doc. What do you think is next for them? Yeah, I mean, look, so I okay, I think I'm right on what I'm about to say, but full disclosure, I say it a lot, and, and so not everyone agrees. I think Doc Rivers is one of the most overrated basketball coaches in the NBA, and I think the, the numbers have proven that for a long, long time. I mean, I wrote something when he got hired in 2020, 
that said Philly had just condemned themselves to mediocrity in the postseason <laughs> until they fired him. So I think that's a big step forward. I, I really do. I know it sounds like it, like low hanging fruit. I, I think it's I think it's I think it's the right sort of beginning point for the conversation. Harden, by all indications, I'm in, I'm in Chicago at, at the combine. I was at the lottery the other day. There's GMs everywhere. So you know everyone sort of believes that Harden's going to be in Houston. That's been the perspective even before, really even before they got they got blown out of the postseason. Embiid will be there. I think Daryl Morey's a pretty good GM. I, you know, there are. I would hire Monty Williams for that job, but Nick Nurse is an excellent coach, and Mike Budenholzer is probably not the right fit for me, but is an excellent coach, and you've got a bunch of great assistants. So I think Philly is going to be really competitive. I think the difficult question is going to be, and I guess it depends how you view Tyrese Maxey in terms of can he step up and fill that void offensively. I don't, I don't know that he can. How how does Philly get creative in replacing Harden's at least regular season production? Daryl Morey's pretty aggressive in that respect. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty optimistic about Philly for a lot of reasons, the main one being I think they got rid of a head coach who I know people really like, but I don't think he was ever going to have the kind of success that they're, they're craving with, with Embiid on the roster. Talking to Bill Ryder, BetMGM tonight, uh, James Harden has been put out. I don't know if it was a direct quote from him or it sounds like it kind of went through some people where he's going to hit free agency. And then it's, I want my basketball freedom. He wants to be able to be himself, which is kind of an alarming thing because then he also wants to play for a contender. And you're like, you may have to fit into his system. Like, what What do you make of that James Harden situation, his future? And we were trying to figure out earlier, like, where where could he even go where that would all of that would come together? It feels impossible. Bill, I think Shanghai. Yes. <laughs> or Taiwan yeah, with, right. with uh, Dwight Howard. <laughs> Retirement. Go play at the Y with your buddies. I mean, that's probably the right answer. I Everything that I have heard, and we don't know, right, because I could never have predicted that Harden, nor I think did anyone else, certainly the, the, the poor folks in Brooklyn, would force his way to the Nets and then force his way to Philly and then, you know, obviously not stay in Philadelphia. I mean, this guy has been on the move, and I, I like James. But to answer the question, everybody thinks he's going to Houston, which is a lot less appealing place now that they're obviously not going to be able to draft Victor Webanyama. They, they did not get the number one overall pick. I I don't – I think he's either going to go to Houston out of, a, out of a sort of love for it or he's going to take the bag, right, because he's older and if he wants to get paid, this is the time to basically get a contract from somebody. To me, and I could be wrong, and this is sort of influenced by the view of people around the, the league, but I think what he's saying is his way of trying to set the narrative for why he's going to leave Philadelphia. I, I, they weren't happy at the end. We saw MB throw guys under the bus. I mean, it did not end the way they wanted. I think he's just going to go to Houston, and I think what he's saying is probably not his actual heart's desire. I think he just wants to leave Philly, and he's setting the stage for that. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, too, because I think nothing stunts the growth of young, developing talent like James Harden on the roster, especially with <laughs> Ime, Ime Udoka. So that's going to be a wild one to watch. You mentioned that you were at the Combine. I think what's fascinating uh, for us outside of the Victor Wambayama now to the Spurs, which you know, time is a flat circle, and they just get a transcendent generational big man after big man, is this difference between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller and the needs of Charlotte and Portland trading that pick. Uh, what do you think happens with Charlotte? Uh, would you take Brandon Miller to go second overall, where which is like plus 125? Would you take uh, Scoot Henderson to go third, which is you know plus 165? Or, or would you think that maybe there's going to be a shakeup because of all the teams trying to trade up into getting the top three pick? Yeah, it's a good question. So, so for people that are trying to figure out where they want their money to go, right? In that respect, I'll, I'll give this information, and, and I, maybe it influences toward taking some more chances. I, I talked to a, a couple executives and a couple GMs who, in a very candid sort of background conversation, where they said some other things that were 
off the record, but pretty startling, right? Like just gossip I can't say, but was there's a lot of trust in this conversation. And when we got to the draft, their view, and these are people I really respect for their ability to, to analyze talent, was that one is obviously set, but they thought even two to five, while it's probably a three-person draft, they thought certainly at two and even at three and four that they think there could be room for a lot of things to change and that there will actually be in Charlotte a pretty aggressive debate between those two guys and, and maybe other people. Portland's absolutely going to trade out of that position. They're going to move on from that spot. Someone's going to trade up. It'll probably depend when we sort of know where Charlotte's going, who values the guy of those two that you mentioned that is left. But if there are pretty good odds on somebody right now, and maybe it's Henderson, it may not be the worst bet because my understanding, talking to the experts here, is that it's not a lock. It may not be Brandon Miller. It, 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 it very well could change. And so there might be some opportunity today for some value, if that perspective is correct, that the conventional wisdom now is not going to hold whatever it is a month from now. Meaning like maybe one of the Thompson twins could go second. Maybe. Or third, right? Like sort of depending yeah. where you think it, yeah, where, where it's going to be. And obviously there are some personal issues that you have to weigh mm-hmm. with one of the people you mentioned, and that really comes down to – every individual executive in front office assessing that young man and where he's at and you know what mistake all that stuff so yeah i mean the general view of the experts which is different by the way than the people that are my media colleagues but the actual gms in the room they think it's they think there's the possibility of it being pretty surprising after we get past number one wow boston eastern conference finals an eight and a half point favorite over miami minus 350 on the money line and then the series price they're minus 550 which pretty much is telling you they have an 85 percent chance i guess to win the series do you give miami a chance to win this series are you picking boston and uh what's your official prediction i guess for the eastern conference finals i like the same intellectual framework as the Jokic finals ticket i put money on the celtics early in the year to win the whole thing. I put money on the Celtics at the start of the thing. And then when the Celtics got down 3-2, I knew that they actually had Doc Rivers right where they wanted him. Doc Rivers up. And I put money on Boston again. I just, like, put all the money on Boston all the times. So it feels too good to be true. So I'm worried is my answer to your question because I have so much Same. money riding on the Celtics winning the finals, right? And I'll middle if we get there if I see some spots. But – I don't know. I mean, like, every again, everyone I've talked to, it's the same conversation. It should be Boston. They're superior. They are the best team in the NBA. Statistically, the only team that was top five, top three, excuse me, offensive and defensive rating. We've seen what Tatum could do. And not just the, like, the, the performances, but starting one of whatever it was, 14 or 15 in that game six, and then just scoring 16 points in the fourth quarter, outscoring Philly, like mental toughness, everything points to Boston. But you have Jimmy Butler, who is the 25th best player in the game, but he's, what, the second best player or the best player in the playoffs? Yeah. It's so weird. Eric Spolster is grossly – maybe he's not underrated anymore, but he has certainly, I think, not been as acclaimed over the years as he should be. And you've got a Boston team that has a a first-year head coach who's being celebrated now in Joe Missoula but would have been absolutely destroyed had he not won that series. And that team does tend to play with their food a little bit and be a little – a little lackadaisical. So I think it's I think it's Boston, but I have so much writing on that, and all the things I just said make me wonder if maybe there's not another Miami miracle. And I'll say this, I know it's a long answer, last one. The Heat also last year took the Celtics to seven in the conference finals. Their offense fell off a cliff. They yeah. couldn't shoot the regular season, but they've reclaimed some of that, and Tyler Hero can find his way back in the series, which some people think is possible. Uh, maybe there's another Miami miracle in there. I think the bet to make if you like Miami or if you want a hedge man is Bam 25-1 to 1 to be Eastern Conference Finals MVP. He averages 25 against Boston. But what are your thoughts? I like Jalen Brown plus 250 is Conference Finals MVP. Tatum's minus 225, which makes sense. But, I mean, Jalen Brown averages 30 against the Heat. What do you think about that? If Boston does get it done, can anybody other than those two be the Conference Finals MVP? And which way would you lean? 
Yeah, I like Jalen Brown. I'm, I'm with you. Like, if you're really, if, if it were me and I were itching for some action, I'm not going to put money on Tatum, even though it's the likely outcome, because I just don't think there's enough value there, especially yeah. with the unpredictability of the Heat and Jimmy Butler and Spolstra. I think Jalen Brown's really interesting. I like personally on the Heat side, I just have trouble seeing any situation where the Heat can win that series if Jimmy Butler is not the best player, and I buy a wide margin in four of those games. Like, if Jimmy's not doing the crazy Jimmy Buckets thing that makes him look like we're on a simulation and Jimmy Butler actually controls the simulation, he's having he's playing a video game, if he can't do that, I personally don't know how Miami wins the series. So I probably, on the Miami side, would probably just either not make that better bet Butler. But I do like Jalen Brown a lot because – he is the kind of player with the kind of talent that could take over some, have similar stats to Tatum, and maybe take over a couple closeout games and, and get that get that nod. I know we're a long way off, obviously, from you know, even just the draft and then the offseason, and teams are going to change, and the Spurs are going to look different. Victor Wembanyama clearly is going to be the number one overall pick. And, you know, look, there's all of this talk about how great he is in terms of compared to LeBron and the hype coming out for us. Like, we've seen this before, and you watch him and go, oh, my God, he is as unique as it's ever been. But what does just his addition alone mean to that Spurs team? And when I say that, what do we think a reasonable win total is for the Spurs next year? I understand they still there's free agency and maybe some trades, but like, can he make that much of a difference year one with the Spurs team by himself? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a really good question. So, I mean, again, people talking, evaluators talking privately, are not afraid to say that he is potential wise, right? Something could go wrong. He's better than LeBron. I mean, that is the sort of general quiet, the quiet part out loud is that they think he's better than LeBron, a better talent. They, they think he could be the best player of all time. It's all he's after, right? He stays healthy, and he does have a good head on his shoulders, as far as we know. And, I mean, Popovich is probably going to stay now, right? That's interesting. And I don't even have it in front of me. But do they win 17? I can't remember how many games Spurs won. Was it 17 last? Something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I mean, the, it's hard to lose that many games, I think. It's hard to lose 22. that many games unless you're doing it. 22. It's hard to win only 22 games when there's two other teams tanking. Uh, when you, unless you're doing it on purpose, like that is my personal view. I, I think Pop was in on it. I think there. I didn't watch a lot of those games, but the ones I did. So I think there's probably like a five-win margin you 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 bake in anyway, because there's no reason to tank again next year. And I do think Webanyama is going to be a difference maker, not just in terms of his personal performances, but just the guys in that team feeling like they're a part of the beginning of something. And Pop's going to be rejuvenated. Yeah, I mean, I what is a good total? I don't know, thirty and a half. That's kind of where I was right. leaning, was like 30-31. Yeah. Because you're right, right, you bring up... I mean, they were absolutely purposely tanking. You'd watch them, the way those second halves would go was like, always fade the Spurs in the second half of a game because they'd always give totally. up big leads. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... I mean, look, I'm not mad at them, but they just didn't get the criticism nationally that normally yeah. you would because I think people are... I mean, I've had Greg Popovich scream and swear at me for, for no reason. Like, it's, it's, it's really funny until it's you, so I understand why people didn't do it. <laughs> right. But it's like... He was definitely mailing those calves, and it worked. So, right. I, yeah, 30 or 31 or somewhere. And if Webanyama's amazing, like, like not just amazing, but impactful immediately, and we saw Luka Doncic play with grown men at Madrid yeah. and come into the league and be a grown gotta man. Jump off. John, Bill, we got a hard out. Sorry, got to jump off. It's oh, Ben MGM tonight. Bye, guys.